0: Uh, Before we begin the service, please, please bow your head as we ask God to touch us and to bring us the message. Lord, we thank you so much for this church. I thank you for the heart of the people who come out week after week, Lord. I thank you for all that you've given us. And now, Lord, as we bow before your throne, we ask you that the message we hear today be your words, touched through the Holy Spirit for the needs that we have today. Touch our hearts. Let it resonate in our hearts. Let this message affect us in every possible way and help us to grow closer to you. Father, we put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, The title of this message that I have for you today is Understanding the Call of God on Your Life. Uh, And I believe this is an important message. Uh, Because obviously, for all of us who are Christians, we need to understand, what does God want from us? What is the call of God on our lives? Yes, we're saved, but now the question is, what is the call? What does he expect us to do? Where does he want us to go? What is the call of God on our life? And so this message is going to use Moses as a paradigm to teach us about the call of God in a, in a very profound way. And so I hope it, it, it touches your life. And, and Moses is the centerpiece of this message. Uh, and over 400 years before Moses was born, Abraham heard from God that one day the Jewish people would get a very special servant. And certainly he was uh, prophetic about Jesus, but it was also prophetic about Moses, And so you know, as the Jewish people uh, in the time of Abraham were starving and they came out of Canaan, they went to Egypt and Joseph was the prime minister there and Joseph took care of his family. And they say, theologians believe that there were somewhere around 40 to maybe 100 Jews that came out of Canaan and went to Egypt. Uh, And in 400 years, that small group grew to 3 million people. 3 million people that God protected in Egypt. But the last... 50 to 100 years were hard years. They were hard years because they became slaves under the slave masters of Egypt. And so God had determined that he would save his people, that he would bring his people out of Egypt, and that he had called a man to do that. Uh, And the man was Moses. And Moses had a very special call on his life. And so the point is that even when there is a special call on your life, We still have to listen to God uh, because we can mess up that call. We may go off and do things that we want that are not in accord with the will of God. And so Moses was introduced um, through the divine providence of God into Pharaoh's household. You know that story where Pharaoh was concerned about the growing Jewish population and indicated that male children, Jewish children had to be executed. And so uh, Moses' mother put him in a basket, put him on the Nile River, and that basket floated down and under the will of God and the providence of God, Pharaoh's daughter saw that basket, picked that basket up, and so Moses became part of Pharaoh's household. And as a result, he became educated in every way. He received the greatest education in every possible way. He was trained as a statesman, as a soldier, as an administrator. And by the age of 40, he was the most polished man that you could possibly ever get. God had blessed him in every possible way. There would be no shortage of talents and gifts that Moses had at that way. He was in the prime of life highly qualified for every possible venture that would come his way. And look, if you would, to the screen and look at Acts chapter 7, 20 to 22 as we speak about this. At that time, Moses was born and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and in action. And so Moses was somebody special. He was called in the most incredible way. And so what we see here is a picture of the modern man who wants to identify with Christ, who wants to identify with Christ, yet does not want to give up the privileges that the world affords. And what will happen here is that Moses will recognize, as he came to the age of 40, that he's a Jew, He will understand that, and so he had the beginning of a call to his people, and so he began to visit the Jewish people uh, and to see them where they were, and as he did this one day, he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, Uh, and, and so knowing that he had been himself a Hebrew and that he felt called to help the Hebrew people, he was outraged, he was outraged, uh, and so he, uh, he began to intervene on that matter, and he took the, the uh, Egyptian, and he beat him, and he killed him, and he buried him in the sand. And so we'll look at Acts chapter 7 there, uh, and you'll be able to get an insight into this. Uh, when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by the Egyptians, so he went to his defense And avenged him by killing the Egyptian. He tried to reconcile them by saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside, who said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon the two Israelites who were fighting. And so what you see there is the fact that... that uh, we can intervene on our own understanding of what God's call is. He came there. He thought they would recognize him as a rescuer. They thought He thought that they would realize that he had nothing to gain other than to lead them and help them up. And yet they see, they remembered, wait a minute, yesterday you killed an Egyptian. And now you going to kill one of us? Are you going to say the same thing on us? And so what you see here, uh, what you see here, is that uh, he intervened in his own way. And if you go back and look at the original Scripture citation in Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, you get the proper insight in what he did wrong. It says there, One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking this way and that way, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Notice the words there. Looking this way and that way. Looking to see what, whether other people were looking at him. What did other people say? What did they see? He didn't look up to God. He wasn't concerned about what God was saying. Rather, he was concerned about the judgment of people. And so you see here that even when you have a call on your life, even when there's a great future, you have to bow before the throne of God and say, God, weigh my steps, weigh my speech, weigh my direction. What should I do? And so you see here uh, uh, what happens when we do that and, and how awful that is, uh, and and so the question question really becomes how can we how can God uh, intervene in our lives when we don't ask him when we don't ask him for his will and so that's what Moses did and so what happens Moses has to flee he has to flee because now now Pharaoh knows that he murdered an Egyptian and so here he is at the age of 40 with all the gifts and talents that he has with all the education and now he's out fleeing and And he winds up being in the desert for 40 years. Uh, And in the desert for 40 years, he has a family. uh, But his physical appearance, his physical capabilities, even his speech, all suffered while he was out in the desert. It got to the point where Moses couldn't even speak right, that he stuttered badly. And we know that because the scripture tells us that when God spoke to him from the burning bush and sent him back, he said, I can't speak. I can't speak, Lord. And the Lord said, I'll send your brother Aaron with you. Uh, And so you understand this, and so you see this. And so what we recognize here and what God is saying to us is, are we conscious of the will of God or are we conscious of the will of man? What is the nature of how we want to live our lives as Christians? What do we want? Do we want God to reach out and to elevate us? And so the first question is we need to commit ourselves to God And to take the consequences no matter where they are. We'll walk with you, Father. We'll go with you, Father. It doesn't matter whether we're persecuted. It doesn't matter if people don't uplift us. If we know we are where you want us to be, we will listen to you. And we will commit ourselves to you. God is perfectly, perfectly capable uh, of taking care of his own affairs. And Moses had not really, truly learned that lesson. Um, And so you see that there. Uh, And uh, in a very positive way, and you see it. Uh, And so in Exodus 2, again, uh, verses 13 to 14, it says, "The the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. And so it becomes so, so poignant on the life of Moses that he flees. Imagine this, a man at the very peak of his authority and powers talents, education, everything for naught because he didn't bow to the will of God, he didn't listen to God, and instead he did his own thing. And so there on the the screen is a very poignant phrase, and it says, the only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing that you had. The only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing that you had. And I can tell you, frankly, that that I can speak personally about this from my own life um, because I think there there are lessons that God put me through that relate to me being able to teach you and to be your pastor. And you know, for 20 years, I served in a prior church uh, and I devoted myself greatly to that church because I believed it was the will of God. I would get up every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. I would not get back till 1 p.m. I would teach 500 people. Uh, in two different classes, and I would bow before the will of God that that was the call that God had on my life. And yet the last several years, there were not good years for me. We were not happy. Uh, We didn't believe that the people that we were shepherding were being fed. We didn't think that they were. We had concerns about the overarching legalism that we saw in the church. We didn't like the decisions that we were were, uh, being told about. Uh, I had to be very careful, even in the nature of how I preached, and yet I bowed before God and I asked him constantly, Lord, is it your will that we stay here? Is this your will? And the answer was yes. Yes, you have an obligation. You're the shepherd of 500 people. Yes, you need to stay here. It's not about whether you're comfortable. It's not about whether you're pleased. It's not about you you finding yourself being lifted up. It's about me, and these are your people. You have a responsibility to your people, and so you bow before the will of God, even when every instinct in your body says, go, but you bow because it's God's will that you don't go. And I felt that if I had left that that church would be divided, that the day I would get up and say I'm leaving, that several hundred people would get up and walk out, and then I would accuse abusing my own personality and, and having my own will uh, and dividing the church, and would that really advance the king of God? So year after year, we bowed, and we did that until finally, Linda and I got a registered letter. You understand? We got a le- registered letter, and we made it, it was clear to us when we got that letter. It was over. The curtain had come down. You understand it? The, the 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 curtain had come down. And I remember distinctly the day the registered letter come came, notifying me that I was out of that church and that she was out of that church. And when I got that letter and the postman came, I said to Linda, "Don't get that. Don't answer it. Don't take it. Don't sign for that letter." And Linda said, "No, I want it. I want it." I'm signing for it. I'm going to frame it. I need to have it. I need to hold it. So not only did she sign for her letter, she signed for my letter. And so there, I want you to understand, there's an example of understanding the will of God. All right, And I'm giving you this example because it pertains to each and every one of you. God has called you for some purpose. And you need to bow before his throne and ask him, Lord, what is your will? Who do you want me to speak to? What's my role in my family? What's my role with my children? I'm uncomfortable. I'm not happy in doing it. And yet God says, stay. Because that's the call on your life. Go. That's the call on your life. Speak. That's the call on your life, but you have to be in communion with God and have that comfort uh, and understand that. And so it's important that you understand this. And so you can't imagine the pain that Moses felt 40 years out in the wilderness tending sheep. Can you imagine when he had to reflect back on what his life was like? When he had to reflect back of where he was in the palace, all of the privileges that he has, and now he's sitting there with goats and sheep, goats and sheep. Uh, caring for a handful of, of sheep, uh, and so, but finally, and this is the message to remember, finally, after 40 years, he spent 40 years being something, and then he spent 40 years being nothing, so that God would take the last 40 years and make him something special, amen? You understand? That's the nature of your God. And so God, and that's the message that God has for us. He takes the weak and the base and the nothing that confounds humanity, and he brings them together to make them true, to make them his people. And so all the, all the demands, all that God demands of man is his availability to be what God was, to be what man was created for. Uh, And that's what God says. I want you to be available. And availability is what it's about. Look at Colossians 1, verse 27. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ is in you, the hope of glory. That's the point. That's how the Gentiles came to faith. They saw the evidence of Christ in the people. And that's what God has done for you. He has put Christ through the Holy Spirit in your hearts. He has given you. He has equipped you perfectly. Look, let's understand something. Moses began as a failure. Because I know what you're saying right now. You're saying, yeah, John, sure, this is great. It's about Moses. Moses one of the greatest human beings that ever walked the world. And yet, I'm going to tell you something. Moses began as a failure. When he left Egypt, he was a bitter failure. He left because he had murdered somebody. How's that? Is that good enough for you? And he left and he fled and spends 40 years in the wilderness. Uh, And so uh, what he learned is that there was no substitute ever for God himself. All of the things in Egypt paled next to what God was himself. And so here's the thing, and this is what you have to understand. Judged by purely human standards, you may be highly qualified for Christian service in every way. Your education, your qualification, your temperament, and yet you find that you're not being used by God. Why? Well, perhaps the point is that you never really took the time to actually hear God speak your name as he spoke Moses' name. Are you in prayer daily? Are you bowing before the throne of God? Are you studying scripture? Are you doing all the things that communicate with God so that God can speak your name? You know, And God doesn't necessarily, necessarily speak in an audible voice. Sometimes he gives you an impression. Sometimes it's an open door. Sometimes it's through somebody else. Sometimes in my case, it was a registered letter. But the point is that God knows what you need to get in order to know that this is his will. And I want to tell you something flat out. That when you finally come to understand that you're walking within the will of God, there is no more peace that you can get in this world. Nothing. You know you're walking with him, that every step that you take is preordained by God. All right? And when you get that, you have that overarching peace as you see this. And so what, the point here is to understand that this is how God wants to use us. Look, if you would, at Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. You ever wonder what is that term, work out your salvation? You can't be saved. You're not working to be saved. You've been saved by the grace of God. It had nothing to do with anything you did other than to recognize you needed a savior. But Paul speaks here about working out our salvation. What does it mean? It means that even as we walk with Christ, we ask him, Lord, what is your will for me? What do I say? Where do I go? Who do I impact? What is my place in this world, dear Father? What is your will for me every single day of your life? That is what working out your salvation means. It is, it is God. It is God who worketh in you both to his will and to the good of his, of his kingdom in every possible way. Effectively, what Paul is saying there. Uh, What Paul is saying there is that all that God has given me, all the gifts that God has given me are available for you, are available for you. The question is, do you bow before God and ask him, God, fill me with your presence. Lead me, Father. Help me to be your man. Help me to do do what you want me to do. And so there you understand it. That's the nature of what God calls us. This is an important uh, message for you to hear. Because it's not just about being saved. It's about walking with him. It's about listening to him. It's about understanding his call for you. And each of us have a different call that only God speaks to you about. And you need to bow and understand it. And so it was as God called Moses from the burning bush. You can imagine. He's this 80-year-old man who was busted up. His body's not working. His mind not as sharp as it is it was before. His ability to speak Uh, impacted. And so uh, God calls him and Moses says, here am I. Here am I, Lord. That famous phrase, here am I. And God says to him, take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. This is where you're standing. And so Moses felt inadequate. He didn't think that he had the the proper credentials to go back to Egypt, to go face-to-face with Pharaoh. He's an 80-year-old man. He's broken. He can't speak right. He can't walk right. And yet God says, go, go. And who do I say sent me when I go? Who do I say? You say, you tell them that I am. I am that I am. And I will never forget that scene in my favorite movie, The Ten Commandments, right? (laughs) That voice, I am that I am. And Charlton Heston going back. Oh, wow. The power of that that vision, the power of that phrase, and that's what God has for you, all right? An 80-year-old man goes back, and listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing about this congregation. I can speak about that to this congregation because we have a few 80-year-olds in this congregation, don't we, right? We have a few 80-year-olds. That's right. You can clap for that. And we have 90-year-olds, all right? That's the beauty of this church, All right? Unfortunately, we don't have too many on the other end, but we got a lot of seasoned, I like that rather, seasoned citizens, people that have spent a life. Uh, And so here's the point that God is saying to Moses, all that you were and all that you will be will be from me. I will direct you. I will lead you up. You will be the fulfillment of divine will. And so uh, uh, Moses heard the call He heard the call and he followed and he understood. And that's the thing when you hear the call, you know you you follow it. Moses heard it and and heard God and followed him uh, exquisitely. And what a wonderful life that he had. The next 40 years were like nothing he could have ever dreamed about. Can you imagine? Taking three million people out of captivity and having God lead them with a pillar of, of, of fire and a cloud and 40 years out in the desert and having God take care of them and effectively writing the Bible, writing the Old Testament, the first five books in the, of the Bible, all that Moses did because this 80-year-old man bowed to the will of God. He heard him. He heard him, and he said, yes, God, I will follow. Yes, God, I will do. Look, look if you would at Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in few of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed to the renewing of your mind, that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Conform. To the will of God, it's your body that is the will of God. It is your body that is his pillar. It is your body that he wants to write his will and his message in every possible way. Do not be conformed to the world. Don't care what the world says. I don't care whether you're abused or persecuted. And I know many of you have had that. Even as you've walked out of other churches, you've been persecuted and you've received vituperation. I know it, but I want you to know something, that God sees you. He loves you. He protects you. When there's nothing more blessed than to be persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ. Nothing. Nothing. We should all be so blessed that we'd be persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ. And so here's the point about working out our salvation, about walking with him and saying, Lord, what do you want? Where do you want me to go? And I did that every day in that church, waiting for God to speak. What is the message, Lord? Even, I'm, even if I'm not happy, even if where I'm now is not within my will, Lord, but I bow to your will. And so here is the lesson of, the, of this for God today there is no retirement from God. You got that? There is no retirement from God. I don't care if you're 70, I don't care if you're 80. I don't care if you're 90 and even if God has blessed you to 100. I don't care. You are never retired from God. If he took an 80-year-old man and brought him to Egypt and then let him spend the next 40 years being one of the greatest leaders of all time and ultimately writing the first five books of the Bible and he winds up being 120 years old, you tell me. What is the will of God? There is no such thing as retirement, not when it relates to God. God's not like man. Man puts you on the trash heap. You understand that, those of you that work for corporations. You hit 65 or 70, you're out the door. You're 75, you're out the door. 75, 80, you're you're dead in the eyes of the world. You understand? But as far as God says, you're just starting. You understand that? And I'm telling that to this church. You're just starting. I want you to have that, that feeling in your heart that God is speaking to you today. Listen, when I started this church, when God called us to do this, somebody came up to me and said to me, well, you know, you're 70 years old. What's your, what's your, what's your long-term plan? I said, what's, what's my long-term plan? I'm going to do this until I die. I'm going to do this until I have no more breath. I'm going to serve in this church until God punches my ticket and I'm done. I want you to understand something. This isn't a career choice. This isn't a job. You understand? This isn't someplace you go and apply. This is the call of God. What does it mean? It means he grabs you by the back of your shirt And he yanks you, and he says, here, this is what I want you to do. And I want you to do it for the rest of your life. And I'm going to tell you something. That's the point I want to get home to you today. I've seen this in my life over and over again. I had a front row seat with my dad. I saw my dad spend 55 years from the same pulpit. 55 years. And he didn't have any benefits it wasn't a job that you would look to have. It was a small church of about 100 people, and all he relied on was the the offering plate of a blue-collar congregation. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? But that was the will of God, and he bowed to the will of God. And he preached till he was 84 years old. And he preached his last message 9 days before he died in a wheelchair. In a wheelchair. And then when I took him home a couple days later, he said to me, I'm ready to graduate. I'm ready to graduate. And so that's the lesson. That's what God is telling you. There's no retirement, all right? There's no age restriction. I don't care how old you are. God is saying to you today, you have a call on your life to ask God what is his will for you. Now, you have to listen. You have to listen. In prayer, you have to develop a relationship and a conversation in so many ways. And so you have to say, God, what is your will for me? How do you want me to serve? And He will speak to you. I want to tell you that. He will speak to you in a clear way. You'll ask Him, Lord, open a door that you want me to walk through, or close a door, and He'll do it. Look, for some of you, your call on your life is to be the leader in your family, is to be the leader of your children. For others, it's someone to be a leader in this church, and in this church, we have been blessed to have numerous uh, opportunities to serve God. From the moment that you come in, you see people dedicated to hospitality, greeting people. People tell me that they've never been in a church where they come in and feel the overwhelming love of God. That's the call of God on your life to be there, out there, and to embrace people, to let them know the brokenhearted, this is where you can come. I understood that when God called me to be here and to start this church, the call on my life was to take care of the brokenhearted who had seen a church that they thought was there forever collapse and their dreams and hopes collapse and that they needed a landing place. They needed a place where they could say, this could be my home. This could be where I'm loved. This could be where I'm cared for. God loves you that much. He loves you that much. And that's the call on your life. And so there are numerous opportunities in hospital visitations, in prison ministries. It goes on and on and on. But do you listen? Do you say, God, what is your will? And, and how can I serve you? And so the key to this lesson is that Moses entered into and followed God's personal call on his life. Yes, he knew he made a mistake. He remembered when he was in Egypt, he murdered that man because he didn't ask God for God's will. He did his own thing. We don't want to do our own thing. We want to wait on God. It's not easy to wait on God. I understand that, but God is doing something with you even as he causes you to wait. He's giving you patience, and he's giving you a teaching assignment to learn what his will is. And so you see that you need to speak to him regularly. And I say to my men on Monday morning, that means perhaps even speaking as much as 100 times a day to God. 100 times a day. You're in your car, you should be speaking to God. You're walking around, you'll be speaking to God. Even right now, as I'm preaching to you, you should be speaking to God. All right, you should be saying, Lord, this message is touching my heart. What do you have for me? And God will speak to you. Where do you want me to go, Lord? He'll speak to you. What do you want me to do, Lord? Who do I affiliate with? How do I elevate you, Lord? In every possible way, and He will do that. And you will see that as you elevate Him, and He will take a primary place in your life, it's no longer about what you want, it will be what He wants. Even when you say, Well, I'm not happy. I'm not happy here. I'm not happy here. And God says, I don't care about your happiness. Your happiness is not the issue. It's my will. I understand. So many of us are waiting. Well, I'm waiting for that spot where where I'm happy. Your happiness should be when you're fulfilling the will of God. That's your happiness. You understand? And I want to assure you this, that when you step out and walk and commit yourself and say, I'm all in. This is what I'll do for the rest of my life until you take me out of here. When you say that, the happiness that will pour into your life is unfathomable. Unfathomable. I mean, it will be something that you cannot even put your arms around. That's the nature of God. So here's the thing. I remember when I said to Linda, when this all happened and I said to her, uh, she said, well, what are you going to do, start a Bible study? I said, no, we're going to start a church. We're going to start a church. Do you realize You realize you're 70 years old? (laughs) I said, no. I I said, you know, I looked at Moses. He was my paradigm. He did it at 80. So if Moses did it at 80, it seemed like I had a 10-year jump, right? (laughs) All right? It's that simple. A 10-year jump. I don't care how old I am. And when you look at me, you shouldn't see a guy that's 70 years old because I'm warning you that I believe that God intends to keep me here for a number of years. All right? I believe that. I want you to understand that. I believe that and I bow that. All right? And so here's the thing. That's the nature. And so I said to her, it's going to be a church. It's going to be a church. You realize how hard it is to start a church? I said, I don't care how hard it is to start a church. It is the will of God. I knew it was the will of God. And now I look around and I see this church. And I see your commitment, and I see what God has done. In a matter of three months, how we get between 350 and 400 people of service. That's 600 people have signed cards, and there's more than 110 volunteers in so many ways. And this is the will of God. You understand? It's not man. It's not me. All I'm doing is what God called me to do. I'm listening to the call of God on my life. And I want you to do the same thing. I want you to have that, that, that assurance that this is what God wants from you. He wants your life to speak of Jesus. He wants your life to speak of Jesus. And so leave here today committed, committed that you will listen evermore to his will in your life, that you will act, wait for the call on your life to be the kind of Christian that he wants you to be, that you will serve him where he wants you to serve, and that you will bow to him. And it doesn't matter about your personal happiness. Stop worrying about your personal happiness. Your personal happiness comes when you bow at the throne of God and serve God. That's your happiness when you know that you've connected with the supreme power that has created the universe. That's the nature of what this is about. That's the nature of this message today to you. I hope it will resonate in your hearts. I hope that when you leave here, you will talk about it with your family, that it will resonate with you, and you will think about it as the weeks and months go by that you continue and commit yourself in every way to listen to the will of God. Congregation, please stand as we close. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your message today. I thank you about understanding the call of God on our lives, Father, about how this is a critical aspect that we can be saved, but that we can just not sit there in a chair waiting for our life to pass by, but that you've called us to great things, Father, and that it doesn't matter whether we're 70, 80, 90, or 100, Father, that you have a great plan for us, that you've laid it out as you did for Moses. Let Moses be a paradigm for each and every one of us, Father, to recognize that we can do great things when we bow to you, when we give everything we have to you, that our bodies become a very living sacrifice to you, Heavenly Father. So commit us, Lord, today. Don't let anybody walk out of here without having that commitment today. And let this message grow and resonate in our heart, Lord, so that we will reflect on it and draw closer to you in every way. Be with our people Protect our people to continue to bring them back to worship you next week. Lord Jesus, we put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed.